0: Welcome back to the DC3 cast. It feels like we were just here with you guys last week. I am Brian with me, as always, our Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about the comics released on June 26th, 2019. The birthday of my best friend in the whole wide world, Ken Beck. Happy birthday, Ken. But before that, we're going to talk about some news. Uh, It was announced over the weekend at the ALA conference in Washington, D.C. that D.C. is retiring its Vertigo imprint as well as retiring the zoom and ink imprints which literally just started in favor of putting everything under just three simple labels dc kids dc and dc black label this doesn't mention how there are still pop-up imprints that have other names but that's a whole different story
1: These are just like the new Coke. They'll be around (laughs) forever.
0: (laughs) But did you see that Bill Cosby put out a a happy father's day tweet? Yeah. From, from America's dad. Terrible man. Yeah. Terrible Terrible man. Just a monster, human monster. Um, Great Simpsons quote. Yes. Terrible, terrible, terrible guy. Agreed. Um, so there's been, there's been a lot made of this move. Um, I don't want to say I have a hot take on it. I have an incredibly lukewarm take on it. But first, I want to hear what you guys think about this.
1: I think it's sad. Why? I just think like. Isn't there a uh, this is maybe too sentimental of me, but isn't there a way to keep the Vertigo banner Around It doesn't necessarily have to be its own publishing house. Can't you keep the Vertigo banner around and still go to this rating system, especially if you're keeping these other imprints around? Like, what is the... Do they think the Vertigo name is Poison now or something?
0: I mean, in their defense, when was the last time anyone gave a shit about Vertigo?
1: Sure, but like how how many people how many people really know what young animal is like in more people know what vertigo is than young animal i just don't get because because ostensibly according to this press release they're still doing some creator owned work right that's what i thought i saw
2: yes but it's will I assume fall under one of these three banners. Probably uh, yeah. the black label.
1: Yes. I guess so.
2: <laughs> so now black label is even less clearly defined um, <laughs> than, right, than it was before.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: So I don't know what's going on here. Um, I feel like it's going to be – well, I had said in the Multiversity Slack the other day that I feel like Vertigo is going to be retired until somebody like Scott Snyder or Grant Morrison asks for it, and then they're just going to let them do that. Right?
2: It's just so weird that they had the big 25th anniversary
0: mm-hmm.
2: where it seemed like it was going to come back with a really big push – and we got a few books that got a little bit of attention. Same in universe got most of the attention.
0: But American Carnage the, is really good. American
2: Carnage is great. I honestly think that the border town thing was probably a huge blow. Yep. The second coming thing probably didn't help. Um, and, you know, we got teases about maybe more invisibles, more um, – Maybe other things. Invisibles is the definitely the thing that stands out the most. You know, we had that Jeff Lemire teaser image. Um, but who knows what's happening with that. Um, or if that was just a, a uh, kind of just like a fun thing. I don't know. But yeah. it seems like a lot of well-intentioned things from DC, the Vertigo push didn't work out. <laughs> Uh, much like the black label push didn't work out, and so maybe now someone up in in DC brass or Warner Brothers maybe thinks that it's better to just streamline because they do have a lot of a a lot of lines going.
0: Yes, uh, and and I think that the pop up imprint thing is really not. I mean, calling them imprints is probably an exaggeration of their terms. Mm-hmm. There are simply a couple of books that are grouped together. I think of all of them, Young Animal feels the most like its own thing.
2: Right. And it straddles the lines a little bit between is it DC Universe? Would it have fallen under vertigo? Would it be Black Label? Like,
0: Right. So what I think you're going to see is I think you're going to see Young Animal. And that's the only one that maybe I could see going back and forth on. Like maybe it's Black Label. Maybe it's... Uh, Maybe it's DC Universe. I I think it's going to be DC Universe, though. Um, I just think... My big takeaway from this, my, my lukewarm take, is that none of this matters because I don't think anybody... There was a time when you walk into a comic store and if you saw a Vertigo book, you bought it based on the Vertigo banner. I don't think... I don't think that time has existed in a very long time. I think people buy books based on creative teams, pitches, whatever, but certainly not because it says Vertigo on the cover anymore. And so, right? It, I it, think I think Image
2: kind of killed that. Also, yes. just DC let Vertigo lapse.
0: Yes, it did, and it it never. Like the last, to me, the last book that was launched under Vertigo that felt like classic Vertigo was maybe Sweet Tooth? Yeah, Sweet Tooth
2: and American Vampire came out right around the same time and were kind of the last big uh, like, flagship titles, I think. Yeah. Which we know that uh, Snyder has said that American Vampire is going to come back under Black Label now.
0: Yes. Yeah. To me, the Zoom and Ink thing is both, like, very logical and very frustrating, because I think that a middle grade's imprint versus a young reader's imprint are two very different things. And I I, I get that to an outsider looking at it without much, uh, you know, without digging too deep, they look the same. But as a father of a seven-year-old, you know, I don't want my daughter reading that Catwoman book about fucking. <sighs>
1: <laughs> can I can I speak on that a little bit? Sure. So what we're gonna end up with are books that straddle that line and 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 you know there's gonna be a, a book that let's say in the middle line that maybe skews a little too close to black label. By putting a rating system on these things with ages, there's going to be times where that's broken. Right, yeah. Like, let's talk. Like that Catwoman book in particular. If you saw that book in the store and you didn't know a thing about it, you would think that that was for like a teen f- person.
0: Maybe even right? a tween.
1: Maybe even
0: a tween. Even. Up, yeah. <laughs>
1: Uh, you open it up and it's got black label language in it and there's no indication on the cover of that. So what's the point of a rating system when you're going to be like something, I can just see it sometime in the next year after that starts a comic or two is going to fuck up and like, it'll have like bad language or hyper violence in the wrong, in what, in what, a significant amount of people would say is the wrong uh, ratings arena, right? It's going to well, happen.
0: So here's here's my thought. This has not been said yet, but I think this is going to we're going to happen. So in September, DC canceled the Teen Titans Go and Scooby Doo team up books, which are the only two books that DC was publishing monthly that had superheroes in them that were for kids. Like there's still Looney Tunes and there's still Scooby-Doo, where are you? But neither of those books ever have a superhero in them. So I think you might still see those as floppies, but I think everything for kids is going to be OGN size now. Mm. So I don't think, and so I think that they're going to, they're going to be able to, um, to distinguish a bit between the DC universe stuff And the uh, and the uh, the DC Kids stuff with relative ease. I also think you know, like I'm just I'm pulling out my copy now to make sure of this. Yes, so Batman Last Night on Earth is considered black label as well, but this is the first not oversized book they've done. Like both Batman Damned and Superman Year One are oversized books, but they're but they're all prestige format with a spine and all that. So I think that if if the designation is like okay black label is prestige format everything has a spine most things are oversized dc universe whatever it's called the middle one is floppies and like collections and then dc kids is all ogn sized that's actually a relatively easy like visible designation mhm i don't know if it's necessarily a smart one
1: so where does the Catwoman book
0: end up then? I mean, unfortunately, that's still going to end up with the kids stuff. <laughs>
1: right. <so.
0: laughs> that doesn't solve that problem. I'm not trying to say it is, but I think you're going to see. I don't know. I mean, to me, there's no I guess the bigger issue here is why was that Catwoman book a thing?
1: I I mean, it's 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 meant for late high school, college age. People clearly, it's just not labeled as such at all. But
0: isn't that what black label supposed to be? Yeah.
2: Is
0: yes, you, but that's... yes,
1: but yes, but I'm saying that this book is going to accidentally not end up in that. You know, what I, mean? no,
0: I, I. You're not. You're not wrong about that. Um, but maybe, maybe this will. Maybe they'll be better about that now. I don't know. Maybe.
1: I'm just saying. I, I think a rating system is. Uh, one that is supposedly so rigidly defined is probably a mistake, too. You know? I think we can be clearer about the content in each issue or graphic novel without without sticking them in these rigid... in these rigid slots, you know?
2: Well, they should probably just have a rating system. As opposed to a right threefold imprint that is based nebulously on content.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's probably a good system, or, or a better system, rather. Um. Yeah. Oh, comics
1: on. just ain't for kids anymore.
0: Yeah, I I will say that I'm. I think in some ways it's better to kill Vertigo and let it come back in a couple of years than it is to let it just flounder the way it's been floundering now. And like Zach said, you know, the border town thing certainly hurt. Um, The second coming thing certainly hurt them. But I, I feel like even this relaunch of Vertigo, I mean, we were at New York Comic Con. We talked to Rob Sheridan about High Level, and that book was months away from coming out. They announced everything. They did everything you think you should do. They announced all the books with plenty of lead time. They did a lot of press about all those books. They all the books had interesting, unique premises that didn't sound like one another, and they still couldn't get it right. I don't know who that's on.
2: Uh, we I mean the market, the comic market is really oversaturated in terms of creator-owned high concept fantasy really creator owned general is which maybe is a little disingenuous because the superhero market is pretty overly saturated too but it, we've gotten to a point I think all across the board where unless you are a big name creator it's really hard to get your book noticed across the board.
1: Yeah and I think I think what you're saying Zach, correct me if I'm wrong superhero comics because especially you know if you're talking about the big 2 specifically they can afford to oversaturate and flood the market with these books and have some of them not do as well and you know in 8 to 12 to 18 issues get churned into something else they can afford to do that in perpetuity when you're talking about creator owned comics you're talking about a small handful of people on the creative team that need that one book to succeed and then and then there's a hundred of those every month that they need to succeed Mm -hmm. and it's not it's not going to happen
2: right and with superhero stuff the the kind of more niche books with maybe uh, you know lesser known creative teams not quite you know see and and C tier and lower characters benefit from the fandom and the shared universe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you might, as a Batman fan, try out a middle t- to lower tier Bat tangent book just because you like Batman. Right. Whereas that, you know, the high levels of the world, y- you're buying that just solely based on the pitch and the premise and any kind of association that you have with the care, the creators.
0: One of the things that I really credit multiversity with doing for me when I first started writing there was like at that point, the staff was really, really into image. Like image was everything to the 2011 multiversity crew. Right. But because of that, I would hear about books I would have never heard about before. Like, you know, the one I'm thinking of is actually Hoax Hunters. you guys remember Hoax Hunters? Oh. Mm-hmm. I, I wrote that column for yeah a long time. I forgot you did that column, yeah. By the way, Vince, somebody's been randomly commenting on your This American Death columns. I Somebody sent me an email. And lamenting the fact that you didn't do more of them. Oh, well. So, anyway. It uh, wasn't meant to make you feel bad. It was meant to make you feel good. So, sorry about that. Um. Anyway. But uh, like Hoax Hunter is one of those books that I don't I just don't know if I would have ever come across that book. But Image gave it like enough enough of a push and enough issues that it was it was successful in its own right. It wasn't a huge hit, but it, it, I don't know if a book could even aspire to Hoax Hunter's level of success with guys who aren't with creators who aren't already pretty well known. I mean, that that, that was Michael Morisi and Steve Seeley. And yeah, um, neither of those guys were particularly big names at that point, but Image gave them well, a shot.
2: That was kind of right around, you know, before and and kind of during the big, um, kind of Image boom, where you had, you know, things like Saga and, um, gosh, what was that book that came out that there were only like three issues of, but it was so non-player. Do you remember that? Like, I think it was just one there issue. Was that l- I think eventually there were two. Yeah, but that was um, I years think later. I think. It was years later. You're right. You're right. But there was like this big uh, focus on creator owned comics. You know, Reminder was really kind of blowing up then. You had big names and, and you were constantly there was like the speculator market was big. You know, you had the Peter Panzer Fausts and the Rat Queens oh, and, and of the world. You know, like that was a very specific time for image and that bubble has burst.
0: Definitely. Um, Part of it is I like, and this is probably my own ignorance and my own uh, prejudices showing here. But when was the last time that somebody who was doing really good big two work announced to create her own book, and you were like, "Fuck yeah, I need to read that book"? Because I remember like when Hickman announced Manhattan Projects, I was like, "This sounds like a logical extension of his." Read Richards' Fantastic Four stuff. I am so here for this, and I could well, not I wait until H- the book came out.
2: Hickman, I think, as much as I love Hickman's work, I think he is very much responsible for a lot of the problems oh, that certainly. led to yes. the burst, <laughs> which was just starting a book and then like letting it fall to the wayside for the next big idea. Yeah, and. And that, that's a big reason for the, I think, the the state of the
0: creator-owned market. But but my point was just, like, a creator you... Because I, I feel like once... Yeah. So it once was
1: when cre- all the Marvel architects left at roughly yeah. the same time
0: uh-huh.
1: to go do a bunch of creator-owned shit.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I can't remember the last time that that happened, Brian. Yeah. Um...
0: That's a problem, because while the yeah. creator-owned market is really good for up-and-coming creators to make their mark, I feel like when image is rolling on all cylinders, firing on all cylinders, rather, I'm not going to mix my metaphors there, um, it helps to have a Brian K. Vaughn doing a saga to get you to notice image books. Because you may not notice them if you're don't if you not familiar with the creators. And if you don't have a good shot, that's something like, I, you know, I have a really good local comic shop I was going to Zap Comics every single week you know during that image boom and Corey at Zap would say like oh man you got this this book is great you gotta check this out I had a good shop and a good owner who was willing to point me in the right direction if you don't have that kind of relationship I don't know how you find out about some of this stuff anymore because the market mm-hmm. is so saturated I mean I guess all of this is just to say R.I.P. Vertigo <laughs> yeah it'll be back when Grant Morrison decides he wants to relaunch Vertigo.
2: Okay. <laughs> I mean, it just... Manga is so good right now. Why would you even read American and European comics? I don't even know. Because oh! you have a podcast you have
0: to uh, <laughs> do every week.
2: That, Zach's uh,
1: right. He's always right.
0: Uh, always right, Batman 73. <laughs>
1: I decided he won that argument. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, I took a week to think about
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Amusing ourselves little, on the podcast. Little continuity joke there. Ignoring everybody else. It's fun.
1: Little callback. Um,
0: Arrested
1: Development-style comedy. <laughs> All
0: right, well, let's do our list before this week's show. So just so you guys know... We're only going to talk about three books this week. We're going to dedicate the second half of our show to ranking the discography of the band The New Pornographers. Again, if you don't like it, you don't have to listen, but hopefully you listen because we love that band. and We're going to have some fun, fun conversations. Zach introduced a really fun wrinkle to this that I've been thinking way too much about, so <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit.
1: We're removing a piece of clothing with every album we discussed. Even though we're just on an
0: audio call, so we're just going to be naked together, kind (laughs) of like that time we watched the sex scene from Watchmen together, just (laughs) silently. uh... Yeah. Anyway, this week's list, a good list. Dial H, Martin Mash, Martin Mash Mash Hunter. (laughs) He hunts the the Monster Mash. The Martian
1: Martin Show. The Mary Martin. The the Mary
0: Martian Show. There we go. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. The good list is dial Martian Manhunter, and The Flash. The OK list, Action Comics, Detective Comics, and The Terrifics. Uh, Sandman Universe list is Books of Magic. New list this week, the Black Label list has Batman Damned <laughs> on it. The Vertigo list... That
1: book sucks
2: ass. I just wanted to get that <laughs> okay, out there. Cause... Thank you.
0: And the Vertigo list has high-level RIP to the Vertigo list.
2: Um... If, if Martian
0: Manhunter is
2: Martin Crane, who is Frazier? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't want to do this. I just to say it. <laughs> I have lots of thoughts on this. <laughs> let's say it for next week. Yeah. I will say this, that uh, Oreo cookies would be some sort of wine. Some sort of like Bordeaux. <laughs> like, a, like a, a heavy Bordeaux. Full body Bordeaux. There we go. All right. Well, let's get into the three titles from this week. Uh, let's start off with me clicking on the right folder. Justice League Dark, number 12, written by James Tynan IV, illustrated by Alvaro Martinez Bueno. Let me just say once again, muy bueno. Oh, so good.
1: So bueno. The art is just muy bueno.
0: Can I make a bold claim? hmm This is the best, best month James Tynan's had for DC since he left Detective Comics.
1: Yeah, buddy.
0: Yeah. This yeah. issue is really good. It is good.
2: Um, Full disclosure, this is the first issue of Justice League Dark that I've read. (laughs) I think since... I think I read one issue past the Witching Hour crossover.
1: So, can I ask you a question then, Zach?
2: Yeah, go for it.
1: Do you feel like you missed anything by not sitting through a couple issues that were just chock full of exposition?
2: No, not not really. Like, I, I kind of, like wondered if maybe I cared to know how um how everybody got chaos chaos sized um, more drew but but also I really didn't because i I do remember skimming one of the earlier issues of this arc and seeing all the lords of order and it i I don't feel like anything happened between that issue that I skimmed and this issue it it seems like it picked up right where I left off and that had to have been that had to have been like the first issue of that arc um
1: so so that's my point that's what makes this issue so good so good because this is all like this is all like conflict right not and not not just like fighting or action or whatever but it's all you know there's stakes with everything we're not looking back at anything and i think you know you can look back a little Well like we that,
2: are kind of kind of there is a, a flashback that runs through this issue.
1: There is, but it's not we it really is it not it's not exposition, right?
0: Mm, yeah, really. yeah. I mean it's kind of exposition, but it's but it's not.
1: You're right. But it's not it's not what we it's not what we are talking about when we complain about the way that some of Tinyan's issues are written, right? Right. Yes. But this is proof, and we know it from prior issues of this very book. uh, Tech. Detective Comics especially. That he can do this stuff with regularity. Issues that are this vital and that move at this steady pace. And that are really satisfying. And again, I just think... I, I don't even think it's Tynion's fault all the time. I think we've, as like a comics reading society, have become used to five, six issue arcs, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times to achieve that, writers are padding, you know, they, they have to start the arc with some sort of action or conflict But then they have to figure out a way to pad it out. And it's not always always well-paced conflict that pads the arc out to five or six issues. It's a lot of slowing down, looking back, things that kind of get in the way. And some writers do that better than others. And I don't think that that's Tynion's particular strong suit. His strong suit is conflict, character, moving forward. Not necessarily looking back. And I think when he's at his best, which he frequently has been in Rebirth, that's what we get. And this kind of issue is what we get. And I just wish comics didn't need to be five, six-issue arcs.
0: You you wanted to have this conversation for a few weeks now. Yeah. Yeah. Um...
2: And we wouldn't <laughs> let you. We said no, Vince.
0: We did. <laughs> so, oh, probably for the best. Sit down. <laughs> no, but I, I don't I, mean, I don't think you're wrong at all. I don't. Uh, I also think that you're, Tanyan... You're 100%
2: right.
0: I think that Tanyan also falls into the trap sometimes of being so like prepared for his writing that he has all this work he puts into backstory and all of this that it seems like a waste to not include that stuff. And so he does, even though, ultimately, nobody really cares about that stuff. It informs his writing and makes his writing better, but he should show and not tell with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but this issue was great. He did a good job writing both the Justice League and the Justice League Dark. I liked the idea of a Justice League of Speedsters, which is yeah. that uh, Barry brings up. Um, Love yep. seeing our boy Khalid. Um, oh, he
1: was—he was great in this issue. Yeah. He's friggin' handsome too.
0: Yeah. I mean, apparently <laughs> we're
2: gonna get a new fate, and so it could be Khalid or it could be is the zero hour fate. Maybe is, is it
0: Khalil or Khalid? Khalid. 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 Khalid right? I keep—I keep thinking Khalil in my head, but. Khalil. Yes, Khalil. Khalil. DJ Khalid. DJ
2: Khalid, another one. Uh, Khalil Cage. They we don't the want best, him. They don't want the him to be... magic.
1: You don't want me to be Dr. F. You don't want me to wear the helmet of
0: Naboo. Um,
2: it's a man's job to wear the helmet of Nebu. <laughs> I was
0: also wondering.
2: You know, I, the that helmet was very, of Naboo did was... not go down.
0: Well played, sir. Well played. Um, what I was going to say is... Uh, for, <laughs> for my summer comics binge on Multiversity, I've been reading a lot of early 90s DC stuff, and I forgot until recently that there was a female Doctor Fate for a while there. Hmm.
1: Maybe that's the new Fate.
0: That's what I was thinking. Maybe it will be. Um, but yeah. This felt like a very satisfying conclusion... We got a nice Bobo moment in there. Um, It was good to see the whole team back together. There was, it was just, it was a very, very good issue. And I, like you said, Vince, if this was a three issue series uh, arc, I think we'd have very different feelings about it than we would have with it being six issues.
1: Yeah. I think as a rule, comic arcs should pretty much be no more than three three issues. I think if you have like a big event or a crossover type thing, you could extend to six or whatever. But, you know, man, would comics benefit?
0: I, I, I would,
2: think would, it would we
0: as readers benefit? Yes. You know? I think as always, it depends on the story you're telling. Yeah. You know, there are certain books that worked really well in those longer Longer arcs, you know, but in general, I agree with you. Of, co- of course, unfortunately, n- now we're living in an era where everything is collected, yeah, and so they want to have those nice, nice, neat collections. Although I have to say, like when I was getting back into comics after I had been out for a while, I always appreciated when a trade wouldn't just have one story in it. Oh yeah, I think I would get more more bang for my buck if it was two, three issue arcs than one, than one six issue arc. But, you know, we'll see. All right, well, let's talk about the final issue of The Silencer. Pouring one out for Honor Guest. Written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by V. Ken Marion, who I feel <clears throat> like has at some has somehow drawn every issue of The New Age of Heroes. Sure, why not? I feel, uh, like maybe. I feel like he's been all over The New Age of Heroes. Man,
2: this sure was the last issue of Silencer. <laughs> <laughs> Um man, I really thought that we would get a, a more um clear cut Event Leviathan tag at the end because she is gonna be in an event Leviathan, so uh that was interesting. Yeah. Poor brand synergy there, DC. Yeah.
1: In instead, we got very
0: big Sopranos finale. Vibes. I was going to say it was the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid vibes. Hmm. Interesting. But sim- similar endings. Just a- an ending where you don't, where you, you, you presume what happens, but you don't really know. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, I, I still think that, uh, honor guest is a terrible name for a character. <laughs> I will never not think that. Um, it's. Uh, I I also don't think that this character's power is all that, or not power, I guess, but like what their skill is. I don't think it's all that interesting, and there's not You're much more to the character besides that. You're not wrong. <laughs> I think.
1: Uh, I think the stuff with her husband's a, a, a little interesting going to see a therapist to talk about, you know, it's a side, it's a side of superhero comics that you rarely see. Um, because especially DC comics is so hesitant to uh, have their heroes get married, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and if they do like, not usually to normies, you know, or whatever, they don't have like a, 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 a normal person to come home to, right? So, I mean, that was
0: that was vaguely interesting, I think. But, um, yeah, we've I also agree, seen it agree. done so much better in so many other places. Like, Lois, yeah. I feel like Lois Lane is usually the the archetype for this character, right? But
2: she's she's very good at dealing with it.
0: Well, now she yeah. is, but there there were literally hundreds of stories where she wasn't. That's fair.
1: Um, I think, you know, like, I didn't mind reading this as a, as a Mm one-off. I'm glad I didn't read all 18 issues of this, but like, I don't think this, this wasn't terrible. It's just not particularly interesting. Brian, everything you say about the character is true. There's just not much there. And I, I don't think there was much there to many of these new age of heroes characters. Um, I th- I thought there were moments in this issue that were kind of fun like the the, the very quick scene with Deathstroke was like mildly interesting mm-hmm. about how with all this Leviathan shit going down it's best to just get off the radar. Um I feel like it's interesting to have Slade pop in for a a second to say that. Yeah. Uh and then, and then, yeah, the, just this idea that no matter what she does, she's always thinking that an assassin is going to show up or Leviathan's going to show up or, you know, whatever. It's very, it's very Tony Soprano. So if Honor Guest is Tony Soprano, then...
0: Then her husband is obviously Carmela. Yeah.
1: The, uh, the son is obviously a, a very young AJ Soprano.
0: Yes, very, very young. Um, that Deathstroke that... is big pussy. <laughs> uh, Talia Al Ghul is uh, Carmen Lupertazzi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I guess I, we, we I... don't have to do that. No, but, I, but I so want to. You know, you know, this is right in my wheelhouse, baby. Come on. Um, no, we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave it be. Um, but the League of Assassins is obviously the uh, the mafia. <laughs> yeah. It's just goes without saying almost. Uh, but yeah, fairly well, silencer. We'll never think about you again. We probably will. <laughs> uh, all right. So now that it's the terrifics is the, is the official last book standing of the new age of heroes. Will we ever see an ongoing series starring one of these characters ever again? No. Starring. No. On a team. Maybe. Sure on a team definitely I don't know if I' if I'd even say definitely
2: I would say definitely I'd say
0: probably
2: I mean it depends on how long we're extending it like in I eventually I guarantee it will happen
0: I, mean, I think the only character to really stick from the original bloodlines was hitman. And when was the last time you saw Hitman? He was, in that section,
2: he was in that Section 8 book. Oh, yeah. Wasn't he?
0: Yeah, he was.
1: Yeah. Hey, uh, did the bill ever come due on that bet we had about uh, Superwoman?
2: Probably.
1: I think I won that. What was Probably. the bet? <laughs> I remember making the bet. I don't remember what the bet was, I believe I mean we we picked somebody said yes, we're going to see either what was it either Lana or it was Lana, right as yes. superwoman
0: mm-hmm.
1: in like more than six months within less than six months right, or right, or yeah. essentially never, which is what I said,
2: yeah. I definitely said we would see her soon and it didn't happen. So I lost. So maybe I'll lose this one too. <laughs>
1: I'm saying, I'm saying we will, we will not see any of these characters in an ongoing series. We will not see them on a team. Like we will not see them as a official member of a team. We will only see them as the occasional cameo. So in your events, Leviathan, etc. Exactly. Okay. Um, we're, so, like, we're not going to see Sideways on a Titans book. We're not going to see Silencer on the Suicide Squad or whatever. You know,
0: even though those are two very good ideas you just had. Yeah, and I, but I just don't think they're going to happen. I don't disagree with that. We know Zach does though, and that's okay. And our last book of the week is Wonder Woman number seventy-three written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Aaron Lepresti. Uh, this is a continuation of some of the stuff that Steve Orlando had... Well, I guess... Is this a continuation of the stuff he had established earlier? Mm, I don't not, think so. Not really, no. I had thought this was being sold as he's tying together stuff from his run and her run.
2: No, I think this was just he is doing a... He is doing a flashback into a thing that... Uh, that Wilson introduced last issue.
0: Okay. So I was gonna say I had thought for some reason that he was that he was doing something more more related to his own stuff. Um so what do you guys think of this issue? Zach, Zach why don't you go yeah, first? Yeah, we're gonna let you start.
2: Um well Lopresti's art was very good. Um, this is the good sort of amethyst Lopresti that we haven't seen in Since a while. Wonder
1: Woman, Conan. Uh,
2: no, he, he, that that Lapresti was also not there either. I don't think yeah. uh, you're Espec- misremembering,
0: especially yeah. after the second half of last issue being done by Tom Derenik.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that that was a really great uh, part of this issue. Otherwise, I thought that this issue was a little slight. It didn't really do anything particularly. New or interesting um, mm. I don't think. I mean, it was fairly predictable, extremely predictable. Um, there were some fun aspects to it the the land of atomica, um, the the like feats of strength.
0: <laughs> I thought one of them was bullets and bracelets.
2: yeah, yeah uh, that that was all that was all fun. it It was a fun book, but as far as the story it told, I thought it was pretty
0: inconsequential.
1: <clears throat>
0: I, I agree um, with Zach on this one.
1: You agree with Zach?
0: Yeah, it, it was a fine issue, but I don't think that there was anything... like To me, the the stuff that was introduced in last issue by Wilson did not require a flashback to explain it, nor do I feel like the flashback really did all that much other than tell like an enjoyable wonder woman story. And that's something I'm not, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy this issue. It just seems to me like it was, it was not of all of the things to be like referenced and, and explain and, and given time to explain. I didn't feel this was something that needed that time.
1: I, well, I don't think that's really what this issue is doing. I think, I think what this issue's is doing is it's doing a Grant Morrison thing, which is to take crazy ass golden age Wonder Woman continuity and tell a story in the current d c landscape that uses it. Um, the these like the competitions here, particularly bullets and bracelets, is in the very fiber of Wonder Woman's origin, right? That's the that's the way that the Amazons decided who got to leave Themyscira, right? And that's the that's the competition. Bullets and bracelets is literally part of the origin uh, of Wonder Woman. And to see all these other uh, sorts of competitions added to that was a lot of fun. Also, the idea that there's these two different versions of Hippolyta, which... Which, if you go back to the golden age, is something that has been played with before, but not. It's kind. It was kind of by accident because uh, at a certain point, Hippolyta, the the like dark haired version of a Hippolyta, was was Wonder Woman for like a a a, a nice chunk there.
0: Um, there's you're kind forgetting of some, that we haven't read six hundred issues of Wonder Woman.
1: I'm. I'm educating you right now on on why this kicks ass um, the there were all these comics in the golden age where uh, there was Kid Wonder Woman and at certain points like continuity got so fucked up that they couldn't explain how there could be they had they had adventures where the adult Wonder Woman would fight bad guys with the kid Wonder Woman. <laughs> And they were supposed to be the same person, but then because that's too fucked up, like eventually they decided that they're not.
0: They're is from that different. How Donna Earth. Troy came into a, a being? No, this is even before
1: Donna Troy. This is like it literally, baby Diana. There's literally it was literally like baby Diana, kid Diana, and adult Diana.
0: Who, and who uh, has the animation rights to baby Diana? <laughs> Joe Bluth. There we go. Uh... <laughs> But That's a baby this, banana grabber joke for anyone keeping score at home. Look, <laughs> uh, a <Luca Fiegel. laughs> um, uh
1: But I, this is just this is such an Orlando as the new Grant Morrison doing just wacko stuff with decades-old continuity that you don't have to know. To like enjoy this, like you said, this is just an enjoyable Wonder Woman story. But having read 800 issues of Wonder Woman or whatever, it's just so good to me to see him play around with this stuff and try to make sense of all these Golden Age things that shouldn't make any sense and don't. Uh, to I, me, this is what DC Comics is about at this point. Like,
2: it the- is is Dimension Kai an old? DC concept or No,
1: that that itself is invented, I believe, for it was it was introduced in the last issue and it's a total invention of this run. But it seems to me like it's a way to make sense of these multiple versions of these characters. Because they're not really they're not really Members of the different fifty-two Earths, as we know them, in the post, uh, in like the multiversity era of DC Comics, you know, like Mm -hmm. they don't really make sense in that regard. There's not like they're just like a
2: they're just like a pocket universe.
1: Yeah, it's it's not a grant. It's not like these old Golden Age stories are not a Grant Morrison Earth as we know the Grant Morrison multiverse Uh, to be. You know, um, so I love this. This was like, this was so great. I think G Willow Wilson's run has been really great, and I think Orlando slides right in and tells a story that's not, I don't really think it's connected to her run, other than she introduced this idea of dimension Kai just so that Orlando could do like an issue about it. But I don't think they're really dependent on one another, you know. Uh, I think this is just Orlando playing around in a way that really agrees with me.
0: I mean, I, I don't, I don't think that's bad. You know, I this is not a uh, Vince you ignorant slut situation. You know. Um,
1: <laughs> no, I know. I'm uh, Yeah, and I'm not saying that to you either. Like I
0: understand. Right. You know. And again, I didn't think this was bad by any stretch. It's just not what I kind of hoped it would be. You know, what I hoped it would be. It's fine. It's good. It's good. We're we're getting we're getting caught up on on how good we think something is. So
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: but that's okay. Yeah, and, and I,
1: I I understand that it's over the top for me to say that I fucking loved it, but I I really did. Um. But I, I totally understand why most people wouldn't feel that way, um, because it is it is really weird continuity that he's pulling from. Story stories that have been like buried for a reason, you know.
0: <laughs> Can I ask you a question that I don't mean to be uh, like doubting you at all? Yeah. Are you sure he's pulling from those continuities?
1: I don't know that he's... I don't know that he's directly pulling from Golden Age continuity as if, like, this is supposed to be pulled straight out of that. But these are definitely ideas that were played around with in the Golden Age that he seems to be returning to, whether coincidentally or not. But...
0: Okay, yeah, that's fine. Like,
1: I, I, I can't ignore that there's, like... A blonde Hippolyta and a dark haired Hippolyta, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Are these the conversations people are gonna have in like seventy years about Wally and Wallace West?
1: <laughs> I think that's a little clearer than these like than these golden age references. Possibly. I think that's a little more cut and dry.
0: Yeah. All right, well, we're going to do this, folks. We're going to go quickly through the books for next week, and then we're going to take a break and talk about the new pornographers. So, Vince, do you have the comics for next week pulled up? I don't. All right, I'll do it. I got them here. So we got the finale of Adventures of the Super Sons. We've got Batgirl, uh, 36. We've got, uh, for our pal Jeremy, Batman, TMNT, number three. How about this? Can we make a deal? We're going to review number six of that, even though we haven't read the first five. <laughs> yes. That's okay. good. Yeah. So, Jeremy, stay tuned. Three months, buddy. Uh, Deceased, number three. Deathstroke, 45. The Dreaming, 11. The Finale of Female Furies. Green Lantern, number nine. Harley Quinn, 63. Uh, Justice League, 27. Lois Lane, number one. Woot Woot. Uh, Superman up in the sky. So, we can watch Tom King fuck up Superman instead of Batman for a while. And well, we've most... already read this, so yeah. we don't have to do it again. Thank goodness. And the most important book of the week, The Wild Storm, number 24. It's a good week. Or is it? I don't know. It's It
2: could be okay. Yeah. It's an interesting week.
0: I think between Lois Lane, The Wildstorm, Female Furies... We might
2: talk about three books and then go off on a tangent.
0: Go off on the Sufjan discography? Oh, no. Oh. That's coming uh, in six I
2: guess weeks. We, we've got Green Lantern that week, too. Yeah. That's
0: good. I had promised six weeks ago we'd, we'd wait six weeks before doing Father the Bride. I mean, after Father the Bride to do new pornographers. So I'll say at least six weeks until we do the Sufjan discography. Okay. At least. Alright, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to discuss the Crash Years. We're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach.
2: And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster,
0: A Silent Voice,
2: and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice.
0: And we are back. We are going to be talking about the discography of one of our collective favorite bands, the New Pornographers, a Canadian indie rock supergroup made up of uh, Carl Newman from Zimpano, uh, Dan Behar from Destroyer, Nico Case, and then various sort of side musicians from other Canadian bands who you and I have probably not heard of. Um, but Fancy. Yeah, Fancy. Um... Fancy. Uh yeah, he. I think he's the only other
2: one that I know off the top of my head.
0: <laughs> I know John Collins is the bass player, and um, yeah, Kurt Dahl was the drummer until Wet Out Conditions. Um, but yeah. So, um, what we're gonna do is we're gonna do this in the style of our uh top ten DC books, where we will um we'll sort of start from the bottom, and if if someone's favorite, if someone's album is listed. Above where the first person says it, we'll talk about it later. Um, So, (laughs) one of my
1: favorite bits of on our show,
0: which I adapted for the most recent episode of uh, Force Ghost Coast to Coast too. Ah, we did our uh, our favorite Star Wars movies. We did the same, and I give us credit for it. It's it's our thing. Um, But so, uh, as the baby of the bunch, Zach, why don't you get us started with your least favorite new pornographers album?
2: Okay. Least favorite is their most recent album, White Out Conditions. That is the same
0: same for me. Same for me. All right. All right. So what is it about this album that isn't isn't working for you guys?
2: I, I listened to it again today to get ready for this. And it's probably the first time I've listened to it in about a year. And I skipped most of the songs because I thought, Oh, I remember this song. It's not very good. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: one thing I'll say is I'm not, I'm not like, I like Dan Behar, right. Mm. But in the context of the new pornographers, I'm not like the biggest Dan Behar fan as in like, his stuff doesn't stand apart as, you know, better or worse. Like, he is part of the fabric of the band to me. So I'm not, like, a particular Dan Behar fan, but his absence here is missed. So I don't want to overplay it and say, like, oh, without Dan Behar, I'm I'm not on board with this, you know?
2: Well, it's notable because he usually contributes three songs, mm-hmm. and... The fact that this uh, this album is missing his three songs, but it's still comparable in terms of number of tracks to other albums. Sure, it's, it's there's weird. There's more. There's more filler. He he. I, also,
0: yeah. he, he. I feel like his songs are so different than Carl Newman's songs that they break up the albums really nicely, mm-hmm. and this begins to sound more samey. I think because of that. mm Hmm
1: yeah I agree. And the other thing I'll say about about new pornographers' albums in general, in general, this is not true across the board, but I think in general, they're front loaded. so like yes to to yeah. me, the first five or six tracks are usually pretty darn good. To me, the first four tracks here are really, really, really good. and then after that i I consistently forget what some of these sound like. Because they're not as catchy, they're not as typically poppy and catchy as pornos tracks can be. Uh, Coliseums is one that I've seen them play live on the album. It made like no impression on me when they played it live, it came alive, and so I appreciate it in that setting. But like again, on the album, I just it loses me. Uh, I think those first four tracks are really solid, but that's about all I can say. Well, well, are... uh,
2: I'm going to push back on that a little bit because I think High Ticket Attractions and World of the Theater are pretty.
0: I don't want to say mediocre, but very, very mid level for a New Pornographer songs. I was just going to say, I think High Ticket Attractions is my favorite song on the album. This is the world man, of the theater.
1: Yeah, This is the world of the theater is my favorite track on the album.
2: You, you want to know my favorite? What is it? My favorite is Avalanche Alley because I mm-hmm. think it's a spiritual successor to Stacked Crooked,
0: which is a. Overrated big... photographer song? Yeah, no.
2: No, no, it's not. It's one of their best <laughs> closing tracks. Um, and this one is not as good as Stacked Crooked. Uh, oh, man, we're already getting spicy. But uh, <laughs> now I think if, if I weren't to say that one, I would say out Conditions because I think that's the best of the first four. Uh, by a long shot, um, but no, I'm gonna go with Avalanche Alley.
0: Okay. Uh, what is your second least favorite album, Zach? Uh,
2: so my number six is, is Electric Version. Fuck you.
0: We'll talk about that one later. <laughs> we'll talk about that one later.
1: Okay. My my number six my number six is Mass Romantic. Uh, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, that, about later. that later.
0: Uh, Interesting. My, my number six is Brill Bruisers. We'll talk about that later. Talk about that later. All right, Zach, what's your number five? My number five is Together. We'll talk about that later.
1: Talk about that later. My, my, oh, sorry, sorry. Vince, what's Wait your number five? Uh, are we doing this? My number five is uh, Brill Bruisers. We'll
2: talk about that later.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> my number five is. I, I consult my list. This is where. So to me, like it's very clear that Brill Bruisers and White Out Conditions are my two least favorite. But from there, it gets it gets uh, complicated, and I wasn't sure how I was going to uh, to rank this. But I'll say my uh, my fifth is Twin Cinema. We'll
2: talk about that we'll, much we'll later. We'll talk about that much later. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, All right. Oh, my
0: gosh. All right. So what's so your number on, four, Zach? I know.
2: My four is Mass Romantic.
0: Uh, that is my four also, and Vince, you already said that one, right? That was my six. Yeah. Okay, so wow, let's...
2: I was supposed to
1: defend Master Manic on here, and I have it lower than either of you.
0: <laughs> so, um, may I say something for a sec? Sure, sure, sure. So, um, much like Vince said, I was—I'm under the impression that a lot of new pornos albums are front-loaded, and I thought that this album was like the example of that. Until I went back and listened to it really carefully, I think this album has the worst new Pornographer songs on it, aside from maybe Whiteout Conditions. Like, there's a couple of songs on this album. I really don't like The Mary Martin Show. I really don't like Center for Holy Wars. Um, the first half of Execution Day is not great, but the second half is fucking baller. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, but I feel like this album is stronger than you think because... There's this stretch from Jackie to Execution Day that is so good. Jackie letter from an occupant to Wild Homes. The body says no Execution I, Day. That's I would even so move good.
2: that back two songs further and start with Slow Descent and Alcoholism.
0: Mystery Hours, I'm not the biggest fan of.
2: It's okay. I like I like uh, so I'm 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 chomping at the bit to <laughs> I had. I've to- I mentioned last time I have not listened to this album very much mm-hmm. And I listened to it a lot In preparation for this And I think this album is very good And I'm mad at myself For ignoring it
0: for so long What's <laughs> weird about this album is This is the only album that Behar was a regular member for Like after they made this album He moved to Spain and just came in And did his three songs But for this album he's playing on everything And he's, he's an equal member of the band And you hear like on um, To Wild Homes all three are singing that song in a way that they don't really do it for the rest of their career. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. Vince, what were you going to say about this album?
1: Um, well, I, I like it a lot. I mean, I basically agree with, with all of you guys, with what you guys said about this, um, which, you know, then I'm surprised to have it at number six on my list, but I guess that just speaks to how much I love this band um, because I don't disagree with anything you say. I think, yeah, I think uh, I like execution day a lot. And then after, after that, I could basically do without the, the rest of it. And yeah. and that's probably why it ends up at six. But I mean, I think from the first track to execution day, it's, it's a pretty darn good album. Um, Are we doing, can we do, can we do favorite songs sure, or?
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good with that. I,
1: I think this is where I'm gonna start revealing myself as a as like the Nico case mark here because uh-huh. uh, I've got "Letter from an Occupant" and all my my because of that my yeah. picks are very normy
0: because
2: <laughs> I mine is also "Letter from an Occup- Occupant." Mine is also "Letter song from an Occupant." That song so good. Yeah,
0: that's... yeah it's. That is I, the song. I, like, if I want to introduce people to the new pornographers, that's one of the like three songs I'll play them.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm very smitten with that song right now. Like when you get to the bridge halfway through, mm-hmm. where she kind of like changes things up, and oh, it's like it, it's like the stuff I really like about like, Waxahachie, I can see ah. her being influenced by this. Oh. And I, I'm like, oh, it's so good.
0: See, one of the You're big disappointments my in my musical life was the first time I saw the new Pornographers. It was actually, you know, just dating myself here. It was in, like, oh, it was right before Twin Cinema came out. Like, maybe six months before then. So that was 05, so Maybe it was maybe this was the summer of... Maybe it was actually a year before. It was summer of 04. And I had only seen like still photographs of Nico Case. I had never really seen her like a video of anything of her. So it was an outdoor free event in Brooklyn. I had re- I couldn't see anything, and so I just saw a woman on stage, and I'm like, that must be Nico Case. It wasn't a screen or anything. And then Carl was like, hey, this is my niece Catherine. She's in the band now, and here's her singing "Letter from an Occupant," and she's just not Nico. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this fucking blows. I want to leave right now. I was so mad <laughs> that it wasn't her doing a letter from an occupant. And then, like, a song later, Carl sang Testament to Youth in Verse, and I felt the same way. Like, yeah. They're, they're fine singers. It's just like, those aren't their songs. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, yeah. Man, I can't wait to talk about that song. We,
1: <laughs> can, I, can I mention a Dark Horse song that I almost made my favorite, yeah, but then I, I, I just I, had to go back to Nico?
0: I, sure. I have two of those, actually. So, yeah, go for it
1: okay I I really like the fake headlines and I I love how I'm a, I'm a lyrics guy you know this about me Brian mm-hmm. um I love how it starts I wrote the news today which is a, a clever play on like the Beatles right I
0: I've read I read news the news today,
1: today. Yeah. and then I love how like something I noticed and I didn't notice this until uh uh until I revisited this album for our little project here but the 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 chorus where he says make headlines believe them come back Mm -hmm. that to me is like proto that that's a that's a carl newman way of phrasing that he carries through to this day in his songwriting where he does these choppy little sentences and they're full sentences though like, make headlines, that's a full sentence. Mm-hmm. Believe them, that's a full sentence. Come back. And I'm thinking, there, there are other songs that I can't think of right now, but that do that same thing, where they are these choppy little sentences, and they're very impactful in that way. And, and I didn't notice that that is present from that very first album. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: can... I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking of uh, one of the songs I'm thinking of is uh, Go Places. Sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know that that's a that's a good call. That's a yeah. good song too. Uh, my my sort of two, uh, dark horse ones here are the body says no, which is a really, like that's a banger. I forgot mm-hmm. how much I like that song. And then, uh, you guys are gonna call me the Dan Behar guy this whole podcast, and that's fine. <laughs> but Jackie is a fucking brilliant song. Jackie's great. That yeah. visualized success part is oh, man, that gives me chills every time. <laughs> Uh, Zach, do you have any other any other uh, dark horse candidates for favorites here?
2: Uh, I mean, it was a clear cut for that one. And again, like I, I am still fairly fresh with the album, mm-hmm. and and still liking. I will say that, like, I hate that "Mass Romantic" is the first track because I really don't like that song very much, and I think that's one of the things that pushed me away from the album for so long. It's
0: funny you say that. I was gonna say that it's the second best title track they have. Oh well. Mm. Um like, th- 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 those I would first, not agree Those first three albums all begin with title tracks. Mm-hmm.
2: Um Well and then so does I mean Brill Bruisers does as well. Yeah, so five and, then,
0: and uh together doesn't there's two songs that have together in the title but it's not start Challengers has a title track that isn't the first one and Whiteout Conditions is a track that isn't the first one
2: Yeah and with Challengers I'm uh, maybe misremembering but doesn't does that start with hands together or does that start with uh it starts with moves that's right No that okay, that's, so that's together It's together Challengers Challenger starts, starts with, with my, my rights versus, versus yours I, I meant to I meant together yeah. obviously cuz I was talking about together I yeah. just misspoke yeah. Um yeah um, but that starts with moves anyway, which yeah. is not the same.
0: No. All right, so okay. that was that was my number four and Zach's number four. Mm-hmm. Vince, what's your number four? My number four is electric version. We're gonna talk about that later. Okay. Uh, okay. So Zach, so we're on my three? three. Yeah. Brill Bruisers. All right, we can talk about this now.
1: Yeah. Yep. Okay. That was my five.
0: Um, that was my six. Brill
2: Bruisers is an album that I did not like very much at, when I first heard it. In fact, when I, it came out, I probably would have pegged it as my least favorite album. But now it's in my top three, and I think that it has the best Dan Behar songs of any new pornographer, new pornographers album. And I think this is mm. the worst Dan Behar songs of any new pornographers album. <laughs> I think this is his. I think this is hands down his best one. Really? Yeah. Uh, War on the East Coast is fantastic. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that Born with the Sound is my favorite song on this album, and Ooh. Spider is also very good.
0: Spider is a remake of a Swan Lake song, which is a side project band of his. I, I, I do know Swan that. Lake. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He yeah. he's done that. Like uh, even um, Breaking the Law from the first album is a remake of a uh, Destroyer song.
2: But, wow. but no, yeah, I I love this album a lot. I think Champions of Red Wine is one of the best Nico Case songs on any new Pornographer's album. I think um, a Drug Deal of the Heart, even though it's really short, is a ton of fun and runs into Born With the Sound so well that I like associate them together all the time. Um, I do think that the album gets a little... Dull afterborn with a sound. I think uh Wide Eyes and Dance Hall Domine are just okay. I love Spider. High Rise is one of my least favorite new pornographer songs, period. Um, mm. uh, it might be my least favorite. I really don't like High Rise. Um and you tell me where is fine, but overall I I really like this album a lot.
1: Dance Hall Domine really whips live. Um <laughs> I remember, I I remember yeah, I remember it being like a frenzy when that.
2: I I could see that definitely, but on that on the album, I. I...
0: Sure, it's placed I really. Zoned, weirdly I zone out too. a little it bit. It is placed yeah. very weirdly. Yeah. Um, so. I think that this is so. I I, I have, my friend Peter is a big big, New Pornos fan. We were talking about this yesterday. I was telling him we were doing this, and I was soliciting his opinion just to, just to talk some of this stuff out. You know, beforehand. And he said that when this album came out, he was like, "Oh, these are all good new pornographer songs, but I don't like any of them as much as I like any song that came before it." And I kind of feel the same way about this album to a certain degree. I don't think I don't think there's anything on this album maybe save two or three songs that I would put above anything from the first five albums um. I also don't I, love the production. I have done that. What was that? <laughs> I said I have done that. <laughs> yeah. um, I also don't like the production on this album that much. Uh, they start to use some more synths, so I'm not against in general. I just think that the syn. Uh, I've said this before to you guys. I feel like every new pornographer's album introduces a new element that they then refine on the next one. And I feel like the synths work better within the songs on wet-out conditions, but these are better songs. Um, I just don't like the way this album's produced, is what it comes down to, I guess. Sure. Um, but my favorite song on the album is Fantasy Fools. Mine too! Hey, look at that, buddy. Yeah. It's a good song.
1: Yeah, it, but it's gives funny me, song. it gives me warm feelings in my tummy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: One of the things when I was making my list was that I wrote down next to this one, worst Behar songs. (laughs) Oh, well, I know I'm going to I,
2: I know what album you think has the best Behar songs. And I know we're going to. I don't know if you know that, actually. Well, he knows. I think I know.
1: He's going to know.
2: We'll get there. We'll get there. Um.
1: One one other thing I want to say about this album is I have the vinyl of this. It's a, the special edition vinyl, and it's like creamsicle col- colored. It's very uh, oh,
0: okay.
1: It's like orange and
0: white. It's very pretty. That's nice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um.
0: So this was your number three, Zach. Three. Yeah. Vince, what so was your number three? Together. Number three is my the, 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 together. Is my number three as well. Man, so, this is so wild because I I love Together,
2: but it ended up being my five. I don't know.
1: Uh, yeah, what uh, what can I say? That's that's how
0: this goes. I have a brilliant observation on this. When we get to the thing that Zach said, we'll do later. Okay. A brilliant <laughs> observation that will that will you will all bow at my altar when I when I talk about this later. Um. Okay. But I will say that Together is the one album that they did that to me sounds like a new Pornographer's Greatest Hits album. Mm. Like, this has all the elements that you want from the new Pornographers in it, but I don't think it breaks any new ground. That's not necessarily, like, a a problem with it. I just think that, like, if you were to give somebody one album that sort of encompasses all of their career, I think this is the one you'd give somebody. Sure. I I think... I
1: think it... To me, it's like, this is not really knocking it because it's my number three pornos album, but it is like the
0: afterbirth
1: of Challengers.
0: Yes, yes.
1: You know what I mean? Like if Challengers is, it sounds very much like Challengers to me, but like half of the songs are like just a little bit worse.
2: (laughs) I also think... Oh, it, that's interesting, because I don't think it sounds very much like Challengers.
0: I think mm, it sounds really? like they learned lessons from Challengers and applied them to their older stuff. Like, to me, Moves, Crash Years, Your Hands Together, Silver Dolly, the first four or five songs, all would not have fit on Challengers. But I think the back half, definitely, like My Shepherd, uh, Valkyrie, The Roller Disco, We End Up Together, all those songs would have fit on Challengers but i think that like a lot of the elements from challengers like the heavy use of cello and all of that is applied to the first 4 or 5 songs here that's fair yeah um, I
1: think the first six songs on this are just unimpeachable. And, and
0: see, I would oh, say the yeah. last six of the unimpeachable ones.
2: Me too. I wanted, <laughs> My hot take on this album is that I think this is the one where the back half is better than the first half. I don't oh, agree. Oh man. With that.
1: So so all things put together, this is actually probably our favorite New
2: Prophets <laughs> album. Maybe yeah. Oh man, I love if you, starting with. Well, honestly, like I do, I love Sweet Talk, but I I guess, like, yeah, the back half to me, especially like starting with Valkyrie and the Roller Disco, oh, which is my favorite song on the the album. Yeah, the the one-two punch of that and Bite Out of My Bed is so good. I think Bite
0: Out of My Bed is awesome. Yeah, that's. So, what are your favorite songs? Mine is Valkyrie.
2: Oh, I had a really hard time choosing from the last four. Honestly, like uh, this was the one album I, well, between this and Brill Bruisers, I had a really hard time choosing. If I if I had to pick one, I would probably say Bite Out of My Bed.
1: Mine's Crash Years because I'm I'm a normie.
0: So that's a good. I mean, that, that's a very good song. But see, I just feel like those first couple songs. I think I also overplayed them at a certain point. So the back half sounds much more fresh to me.
2: Mm. Um... Um I always liked how the strings in we end up together loop back around a little bit to moves. Yes. Not exactly, but there's there's some like sonic similarity there that I always found really satisfying. Yeah. Oh, man, this is maybe also this and challengers, I would say, are probably the ones I have the most like nostalgic fondness for. And see
0: that's electric version and electric version for me, hands down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I so I saw them on like three tours in a row, I think. But I saw the last time I saw them was on this tour, and it was the best show I had seen them do. It also, I've seen them twice with both Nico and Dan, and on this one they all seem to be having the most fun. But Carl Newman, they were doing Adventures in Solitude, which we'll talk about in a little while, and people were trying to clap along, and he was like singing in between every word saying, stop clapping. <laughs> it was messing <laughs> him up, I guess. And uh, yeah, Carl, it's funny. I've seen a bunch of interviews with him, and he seems like a not very pleasant person, which makes me very sad. Because I like Carl that, Newman. That's interesting,
1: because I like his stage presence. Like I think he's funny i, think I he's like him on to twitter
0: him. too yeah he's good on twitter <laughs> he is yeah. um all right so that that was our number three so zach what's your number two my number two is challengers we'll talk about that later okay
1: my, yeah my number two is challengers so okay. okay
0: uh so both you assholes put twin cinema number one but well, it's the best new pornos album. No, it's, uh, it is the wait. best one. Okay, so so let, let let me say this about the album. And then I'll let you guys talk about because you like it way more than I do.
2: Wait, is this your number two?
0: This is my number six or five. Oh. Number five. Number five. Number five. Um, but what's your number two? We'll we'll talk about it after uh, after you. This was this is I'm the last. This the number
1: two is electric version.
0: Yeah. Oh, we're on challengers. Yeah. No, okay, we're on. Sorry. 20, oh, yes. No, we Yes. Yes, we're on we're on uh, electric version. I'm sorry, electric version. Yeah. Yes, um, he's oh, trying to bump electric. I'm so. Up. I thought he, was, but I thought you were starting to talk
2: about Twin Cinema. I was. Really I was. Confused. I'm sorry. Okay.
0: I, I I was skipping ahead. I'm sorry. Um. So electric version. So this is the first okay. album of theirs I heard. Uh, I got it when I was in college, and it's like the soundtrack to my senior year of college in so many ways. It's Like three albums: this, the Weaker Thens, um, Reconstruction Site and uh, Stephen Malkus' Pig Lib. Those three albums, like I, I listen to them all the time in that, al- the, that year. Um, I think this, so- this album is the like the, by far the most straight-ahead rock and roll of their albums. There's not as much diversity in it, which I can understand why somebody might think that that's a negative, but I think that it, almost every song on this album is a straight-ahead banger. It has the second-best Nico song, the best Dan song, And some of the best songs. (laughs) Um,
2: What's the best Nico song, or second best? I mean, second best. All for swinging you around. Yes, you're right. That is a very good song. Almost my favorite one on this album. Yeah. (laughs) Um.
1: It even has uh, January
0: Jones's dad on it. It does. July Jones. (laughs) Yeah. No, i've been so, waiting
1: weeks to tell that story. have you
0: <laughs> good for you pal um this is my um, favorite album closer no i'm sorry my second favorite album closer Miss it, Teen, word Miss power? Teen word power yeah that's, that's a good one um this is an
2: album i used to like a lot more and then listening to it to get ready for this i realized that i don't like it very much anymore
0: that is called the twin cinema story for
2: brian mm, interesting I, yeah, I, I think what you said about this being their more rocky and straightforward album is what uh, I, I'm not very interested. And a lot of things that I used to like, like I used to think Electric Version and From Blown Speakers were so good, but like ugh, I think From Blown Speakers is so grating now. Like, oh, see, I, I think
0: Electric Version is grating. <laughs> oh, uh, well, funny. yeah,
2: and they kind of both are in a, a little bit, but like, I, yeah, I, I don't – I just – find that I don't like this album as much anymore which the, I was kind of surprised
0: by to me this has two unimpeachable Behar songs in Testament and Ballad of a Comeback Kid mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Misty Word Power I love um, I think this is the best Nico album in terms of her like upbeat stuff eh, that's fair um, and as you guys know Testament's Youth and Verse is my favorite new pornographer song like, in my top five songs of all time Mm-hmm. Um, so that I so I can, that was
2: your was that your favorite song on this album? Of I course, I would it was, assume. Yes. yes. Yeah. What well, um, what was yours, Vince?
1: Mine's uh, the laws of Change No surprise there. <laughs> I would say.
2: Okay. I love I love the
1: way uh, uh, AC Newman's voice and and Nico's kind of go back and forth, and it's it's one of those songs that when Nico kicks in live, gives me chills. Yeah. Um. Just so smooth.
2: Um, mine's "Ballad of a Comeback Kid," so. Mm. Yeah.
1: All, all good songs. Yeah.
0: Like I said, I feel like this one. Um, I I have to be honest about the nostalgia factor, but I had said like as of a year ago that nothing would ever top this one for me. <laughs> but the more I've listened to Challengers, that's that's risen. Um. But anyway, uh, so this is my number two. So Twin Cinema is your guys' number one yeah why don't we talk about yeah. challengers first since two of you picked that for number one and i didn't okay
1: Challenge, we're talking about challengers first
0: yes okay
1: because i have that two
0: right and i have it one
1: and you have it one zach yeah, where do so you doing,
0: have that
2: i had it t- i had challenges as two.
0: Oh, you did okay all right yeah yeah um so this is the album with the best behar songs uh, I, that's I... interesting that you would say that except I don't like entering and white to tell you that much but I like myriad harbor and spirit of giving so much I would say that
2: this is the second best after bro bruisers
0: actually no I'm changing my mind electric version was the best songs of his This is the second best.
2: <laughs> okay see that's what I was gonna guess was electric version my goodness.
0: spirit of giving has and been I was like... gonna
2: say testament I was gonna say testament to youth and verse is not the best fuck off <laughs> it is um, but no uh, I was I... gonna say that it was passable
0: God oh damn, man. man, the bells ring.
2: Passable. No, no, no. Oh my god, Zach. Yeah. Uh, I, the,
0: were... I would
2: say it's the. I would say it's the third best Behar song on that album. Oh, no way. I think Chump Change and Comeback Kid are better.
0: Okay, so I think Chump Change is better than Entering White Cecilia. But that's to me, Entering White Cecilia is the worst of these two albums. Then Chump Change, then. I'll agree with that. Then Myriad Harbor, not, not
2: the Chump Change part.
0: Ballad but, of a Comeback Kid, Spirit of Giving, Testament to the Verse. Those are my six. That's fine. I actually made a playlist a couple years ago of just the Behar songs. So there's enough for the with the six albums he's on. That's like a full length. it's like a, a pretty long album actually, and it's fun to try and sequence that album. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you should you should all do that at home. <laughs>
2: um.
0: So, um. Talk about this album, somebody, because I could talk about it forever.
2: This album is incredible. Um, this was my first new Pornographer's album. Um, it's just, it's very good. I mean, it's my number two.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's... This and Twin Cinema are the two albums that I will say are good all the way through, and I never feel like skipping a track on either of them same
0: um i think it's good path of twin cinema
1: <laughs> Fuck off, man oh. i think uh <laughs> i didn't say anything mean about about your yes, your you favorite behar songs all right Zach said that so don't <laughs> hurt me by ripping on twin cinema um
2: you're going to hurt me by ripping on twin cinema though I will.
1: there's a there's a, a reason twin cinema is ahead of this one for me. And and I'll talk about that when we get there. This album I feel is like I said, good all the way through the first as has been the, um, the theme here for me tonight, the first six songs on this album are like crazy good. I I love sometimes I put on a new pornos album and just listen to like the first six songs If I only have like 20 minutes, you know, Um, and usually you pick any one and it's it's good. And this is near the top of that for me. But going beyond that, like Adventures in Solitude. Great. I like Entering White Cecilia. Um, I like Go Places a lot. Uh, Unguided is one I can never remember because it's just so long. Same. (laughs) But but I'm sure it's good because I know like I I do listen to this album all the way through usually um but yeah this and twin cinema to me is like prime every element is working the way that it should pornos for me
2: yeah um adventures in solitude is my favorite song on this album it makes me just want to cry uh Go go places is a close second um But then I I would say that, yeah, like the first six songs are are all very good. Like Vince said, they're just straight through very good. Um,
1: Challengers makes me cry.
2: Challengers is really good. I sometimes like to listen to Spirit of Giving around
0: Christmas time. I I put it on my Christmas mix every year. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That song makes me cry. It's a great
2: album. It is a. It's a really sad. It's their saddest album. It is definitely. And it's
0: funny because that's why I didn't, um, love it at first. Because this album came out. I'm gonna look at the date in a second. It came um, out
2: my freshman year of college, which is when I was very sad. So and see,
0: it came out a month and eight days before I got married. And so I was looking for like a happy. Go lucky thing to listen to, and this wasn't it. Um, <laughs> Whoops, <laughs> yeah. And so, I feel like for a long time, I just didn't give it its proper attention. Uh, and then, when I actually, when I saw them on the Together tour, they opened with either opened or did second all the old showstoppers, and they did like Showstoppers, Challengers, Myriad Harbor, Adventures in Solitude, and I think Spirit of Giving. And all those songs just hit live so beautifully mm-hmm. and go places they it too. Um, you know, it's just some, sometimes the songs just hit you in the perfect spot, you know, and, uh, and that's what does it for you. And to me, it was just, yeah, to me, this is the album that I've like matured along with, you know, uh, it's not the like loud in your face electric version, which I love. This is a much more contemplative album. Anything yes. else to say before I shut on Twin Cinema for a bit? <laughs> no, but but no. shit
1: shit away before before Zach and
0: I slob on it. Okay, so this if you had asked me like a six, six months or a year ago, like list your albums, it would have been number three for me. But going back and list first of all, there's also. I, I had read something that Carl Newman wrote on Twitter, which he said, like, oh, this is by far our worst album. I don't like it at all. And I was like, how could he say that? That's bullshit. And then I, I feel went like I li- I've seen him say that about Electric Version, too, though. I feel like he probably has said it about both. but maybe. But anyway, okay. so, so I went back and I listened to it, and I'm like, oh, I kind of see what he's talking about. Like, um, I think half the songs in this album are grating and annoying. Twin Cinema is a bad song. No. The Jessica no, Numbers Brian. is a bad song. The um, only bad
2: song on this album, and I'm going to say this right here, is Bones of an Idol. Bones of an no, Idol is a bad song, a, too. That's a great song, too. I, I think that's the only bad song. God, See, you're I, all wrong. Jackie Dressed
0: <laughs> in Cobras is a bad song. 90%. No, Jackie
2: Dressing Cobras is one of Behar's best songs. No, it's not.
0: I could I could make like a six song EP out of this album. Be great. Use It, Bleeding Heart Show, which is my favorite song oh, and the second best. Uh, Bleeding
2: Heart Show is one of the greatest songs ever made. Second
0: best yeah, new pornographer song behind Testament. Best, um, best yeah, one. Use It, Bleeding Heart Show, uh, Sing Me Spanish Techno, Falling Through Your Clothes, Star Bodies, Streets of this Fire. This
2: has the most iconic new pornographer songs on it.
0: Which are you're, you're killing me. I would Bleeding say Heart Streets Show. Of,
2: Bleeding Hearts," So, Streets of Fire, uh, Sing Me Spanish Techno. Those three alone I think are those are three yep. amazing songs.
1: I agree with I agree with Zach on Jackie Dresden Cobras.
2: No. Um and and I Jessica let, Numbers. Oh, okay, every single one of these songs is good. Jessica Numbers <laughs> is good. These are the fables is good. Falling through your clothes is good. I said that was good. Stack Crooked" is one of their best closing songs.
0: I think Stack Crooked's okay, but when this album came out, everyone was like, that's the best song. And I'm like, fuck off, it's not. But Oh, jeez. So now you're doing the hipster thing. Now you're like, <laughs> no, I just didn't like it that much.
1: <laughs> uh, um, okay. So, anyway,
0: go, go have fun with this album. Talk about it.
1: Uh, all right. So here's the thing for me. Uh, this was my first new Pornographer's album. Um, it hit like right as what was it august 2005 yeah it was like right right before i was going to college so it was like the perfect time for me i i didn't have very good music taste like just before that i guess in high school i was listening to a lot of like grunge and grunge adjacent stuff Okay. okay Which a lot of it is, a lot of that is good. And I still have a soft spot for a lot of it, even the really cheesy stuff. But when I went to college, like I, I got a hold of like this album. There's a ton of albums in 2005. I, I should make a list sometime that intersected just by chance, just because I like, I was a student that was feeling my way through this like new environment alone.
0: And, and you had a T three modem at your disposal to download as many albums as you wanted.
1: Basically, yeah. yeah, and like, and like, trying to figure it all out, right? And 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 pretty lonely. Um, and albums like the like when I first heard this, I I'll never forget. I was laying in bed trying to go to sleep one night, and I had read a review of this album that you know was like, oh my god, this is like one of the greatest one of the greatest indie albums of all time already you know so they were all, it was getting all tons of praise right and i didn't know what that meant but i put it on as i was going to bed and i stayed awake and listened to the whole album to the end and i couldn't believe that there was music that sounded like this you know like it was just so different from anything i was listening to before and i was like okay some of these songs are by one guy and then there's another guy and then like who's this Who's this girl that sings sometimes, you know? And like then you you piece it together and you figure it out. Like when you read, you go online, you figure out like what they're all about. And I spent that year, like this among maybe like a dozen or two dozen other albums, just piecing together like who I was as a person. And this album was a part of that, you know. And Like Zach said, every song on this album is good to me. But again, like with most pornos albums, like the first six songs on this are just, they kill me. And Sing Me Spanish Techno kills me. That is such a great live song. They do it as a closer. At two of the three times I've seen them, they've done that as the closer. And it works so well. The other time they did Bleeding Heart Show as the closer, and that is, like Zach said, that's one of the greatest songs it's ever amazing. recorded.
2: It's amazing. It they they closed out the Whiteout white out condition show that I saw recently. And like I remember just being physically moved to tears. And oh
1: dude, it's like a religious experience, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's like my version of that. And like confetti dropped and like you just feel it. And the the that the buildup and the ending is just so good. It almost feels like a cheat that it's like the fourth song on this album. It should close the album. It should close really. the album. It should. The it really last should. time
0: I saw them, they closed the main set of Bleeding Heart Show and yeah. closed the encore with Singing Spanish Techno. Yep. That's what they did at those two shows. That,
1: yeah. But you know what? It works. Um, oh, God. And I just, so, so, Brian, I understand what you're saying about how, like, some at some point you may have had this higher on your list and, and over the years it's gone down or whatever, but like, just like you an electric version, right? Like there's part of you that can't divorce yourself from
0: how you felt of at course, the time yeah.
1: when you discovered an album or you discovered music or yeah, whatever. And yeah, so that's it to me. But also I think these songs are just legitimately the group of like, if I had to pick one album, of new pornographers songs to listen to from beginning to end, it would just be this one. How's um, Zach, you take it away. I've spoken to. Well, I
2: think if anything, I have objectivity here. Cause I came to new pornos much later than this album and I still think it's the best. So I'm obviously right. Um, <laughs> I have n- no nostalgic, emotional investment here. Um, but no, I think I've spoken my piece. I think every song on this album is good. I think it maybe gets a little weak around like, I do think broken beads is actually very good or broken breads i mean um is very good um i forgot how much i liked that song re-listening to it today i think three or four is just okay star bodies is just okay i, I was being maybe a, a little oh, unnecessarily love... mean to bones of an idol earlier it's just kind of slow um but but yeah that album is just full of what I consider to be like the most iconic new pornographer songs.
0: Okay. So, um, I was talking with a friend of mine recently and he asked like, what's the band that you listen to the most that you have, that you know, the least amount of lyrics from. And to me, my answer was new pornographers.
2: I think that Mm -hmm. might be the case for me too. I feel like
0: most of these songs, I have a vague idea of what they're about. And a vaguer idea of the lyrics, like they're not a lyric band for me. Except, I think the Behar songs, I I am more lyrically familiar with. I don't. I think that Carl Newman writes really interesting words, but not very. Like it's very rarely a linear story, mm-hmm. and so it's sure. you know. Um, but yeah,
2: I think yeah, New Pornographers is very much more of a. Feeling band for me, as opposed to a like heady um, thinking band, Um, which is maybe why I gravitate towards some of the more uh, the songs that, by their their composition and melody, provoke. An emotional response just through the sound, r- regardless
0: of what's actually being said. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that that's like Adventures in Solitude. Like, yes, just the chorus exactly. of that song, We Thought We Lost to mm-hmm. Welcome Back. I don't know what any of the rest of the song's about, but those right. words make me cry.
2: Yeah. 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 And uh, Twin Cinema is a lot of that. Challengers is a lot of that. Brill Bruisers I think, has some of that, which is, and, I, and I think Together does too. Um, I think.
0: The other three, not as much. And see, to me, because I don't really care about the lyrics, an album full of like fast bangers, like Electric Version, I think works really well for me because I'm not concerned with trying to like suss out meaning to miss Teen word power. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. But
2: and I think, but I think it's a different emotion that Electric Version sure, is provoking. Sure. And, and I also I think, think that's like, yeah.
0: I, again, it's like, like going back to like what what we were doing in our lives when those albums came out. Like I was, I was playing in bands all the time. I was, I was far more like a guitar player at that point in my life. And I feel like just like as an album, I would just, just, you know, just bang around to, it was just, it was, it was a lot of fun to just play guitar along to that album. Whereas later on, I live like, like twin cinema is these, I listened to that when I was commuting to work my, my like second year working. Um and uh, like Challengers reminds me of painting my apartment. Aaron and I bought a condo right before we got married, and like I painted that album. I painted that condo to uh to Challengers. You know, mm-hmm. so those are much less like exuberant activities. You know, um, but I have to say, like, with the exception of whiteout conditions, which we've been very hard on today, but I think that. They have like an unimpeachably strong discography. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. There are and there's
1: there's such there's such an interesting structure to that band too. You know. Yeah. It's like like what other band operates like this and still and and puts out this much material consistently and sticks together. You know.
0: It's funny you say that because in their first seven years they put out four albums. Mm -hmm. And I've only put out three over the subsequent 10 years. Sure. Uh, Although there's supposedly a new one coming later this year. Mm -hmm. They announced today there's Uh, new music forthcoming. They didn't say exactly what that meant, but.
1: I hope there's some Behar
0: on there. I hope so, too. Um, And that was the, the other big takeaway for me was that when I started looking at this, I think that on every album, a Behar song is in my top three. Mm-hmm. And I think that on most of the albums, a Behar song is in my bottom three. Also, yeah, but I I, I yeah. think he just, I think he just splits up Carl Newman. Carl Lumen's songs. Like I think especially on our least our lesser albums, sometimes his songs can start to sound a little bit samey, and so the the Behar stuff really breaks that up. And when you take them away, I, I think it's it really his songs suffer. From not having the diversity of sound there,
1: yeah, I think the interesting thing about the Behar song, I think I, I get the impression because I've I've listened to plenty of Destroyer, mm-hmm. um, and some of his other projects, I, he he's almost never my favorite thing going, but I love and respect so much how like he very clearly does things exactly the way he wants to do them. Yes. And he's got some very esoteric tastes, I think. And so sometimes that ends up with a really brilliant song on the album. And, and then, you know, half the other time, a song that just doesn't connect with me because I don't know what he's doing. You know? Um, that, yeah, he's just a, he's a really interesting guy. So that's why I say, like, he's never my favorite thing going in the pornos, but... Uh, but you kind of need him there, I think. Yeah. Like you like you say to break it up. Yeah. You know, talking about the the lyrics just real quick. I think the best case the the best example of what you're talking about where like and I am a lyrics guy, but like not knowing what they're talking about and yet it's still having an effect on you, that is the laws of change to me. Okay. Cuz if you think about those lyrics introducing for the first time pharaoh on the microphone saying all hail what'll be revealed today when we peer into the great unknown from the line to the throne that those lines get me emotional i have no fucking idea why <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah
1: no idea what it means
2: <laughs> but like just it just sounds the, the sound that's created
1: in that portion of the song is just it sweeps you away you know
2: well it really is like the interesting things that like nico and newman do with their voices yeah they do they they do some really wild stuff
0: so i have a friend who lives in uh, saskatoon saskatchewan canada and Uh carl newman played a taco place there (laughs) on the uh slow wonder tour his first solo tour and my friend Dean got drunk and was like, went up to Carl and was like, why didn't you just make another new Pornographer's album? Why'd you make a solo <laughs> album? And he didn't mean it like nasty, just like he was uh-huh. curious sort of what, what the difference between like in his mind, the difference were. And he said that to him, a new Pornographer, he can't sing a new Pornographer song without Nico was basically his thing was like the new Pornographer is the sound of our voices together. That's weird. Cause, uh, Profits is the most like new
2: pornographers ass song that's not on a new (laughs) pornographers album.
0: Yeah. There's a couple on that album that are very new pornography, but I I guess like, you know, he just felt like those songs didn't need or weren't like, weren't asking for her presence or whatever. You know what I mean? So that, that's how he, he said he he was writing twin cinema at the same time he was writing uh, small one or whatever, you know? And, uh, that like the way he divided the songs was which ones like needed Nico on them. Mm. I'll also say I didn't mention this on the show. I wanted to say it. I think part of the reason that Wet Out Conditions is Miley's favorite is that I don't think their new drummer is half the drummer Kurt Dahl was. Mm. Like, listen to his fills on bringing You Around," and it's just incredible. The drums on
2: electric version are insane.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Zach had texted us before, and said we should try and identify each new pornographer's album with a with a Justice League member. Oh God, yeah. I, I can't do it. Well, I, I I made some progress, but well, just just tell us the ones. There are there are three that I that I'm pretty proud of. So tell us so the ones th- that you have.
2: So I the ones that I felt sure on. I said Electric Version was Flash. I said Twin Cinema was Wonder Woman. Um. I said Brill Bruisers was Martian Manhunter, and then for Challengers, I was I said Superman at first, but there there's like a heavy aquatic feel to that album. Interesting, and so I I thought about switching him to Aquaman, but
1: that's that's, about,
2: that's about as far as I got. Vince did you have so, you're so, proud of?
1: So Batman's out conditions because he's the worst, or or do we yeah. decide?
2: No, definitely. <laughs>
1: okay.
2: No, I didn't get bats. I didn't get Green Lantern. Um.
0: That's as far as I got. Vince, I you had texted I, us a good one.
1: What did I say? I said someone's Green Lantern. You said, said wet out Hal. conditions
0: is how because it's boring. W- which one? White out.
1: Oh yeah. Well, I just said I just said wet out conditions is Batman because he's the worst. <laughs>
2: yeah. But but no. you texted us that you said he was Hal because yeah. it's boring.
1: I know. I know. I'm, I, I okay. said I'm changing oh, my you're mind changing.
2: now. Okay. I see. I see. Yeah.
0: So the 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 two that I really liked. I also thought that uh, I thought that electric version is Superman because everybody says it's boring, but it's not.
1: Ah, and it's full of, it's,
0: it's, 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 uh, full of hope. Uh, I said that Challengers is Wonder Woman because it's the most full of heart of any their albums, the most heartfelt. Um, but the one I'm really happy with is that uh, Together is Martian Manhunter. Because that album's a shapeshifter and like ooh, ooh. each tune kind of feels like something else from a different part of their discography. As I said it sounds like a greatest hits album, kind of. And mm-hmm. so much like Martian Manhunter, it shifts depending on what it's trying to do.
1: Nice.
2: Yeah. And uh That's how we brought it back to DC relevant
0: content. <laughs> exactly. Um what percentage of our listeners actually listen to this? Uh ten percent five percent
1: Jeremy is hopping mad right
0: <laughs> I know nothing about Jeremy's taste in music but based <laughs> on his love of mountain do I picture him just listening listen to kid rock all day <laughs> ba, no, he ba, likes Jeremy? he likes Limp biscuit oh uh, okay of course um did either of you guys happen to read the stereogom article about reevaluating significant other this the Limp Biscuit album I no, I was never Olympus Biscuit person. Neither was I. That's sort of the the, oh. the guy the guy says like, you know, um we do this series when an album turns twenty to reevaluate it and to give it some context and to like figure out what made it good and sort of if it's still good and he's like, spoiler alert, this was never good and it never will be and it's a it's a pretty vicious takedown of that album. Well now
1: Jeremy's really upset, so Yeah.
0: Jeremy, just keep rolling. <laughs> Go break some stuff. <laughs> Get your nookie. You gotta have is faith, it, brother.
2: Is it uh is it an encyclopedia of classic takedowns?
0: <laughs> of course it is.
2: That, that, that's a really good AC Newman song.
0: Yeah. Something something chocolate starfish in the hot dog clear water. <laughs> the worst album title of all time. Uh, <sighs> but anyway, if you somehow listen to all of this and don't know the new pornographers, what the fuck is wrong with you? Go listen to the new pornographers. <laughs> Why would you listen to three assholes talk about them for an hour if you don't know their music?
1: <laughs> Just take all the songs, that, the individual songs we talked about that we said were our favorites, and listen to those. You know
0: what I'm going to do? I'm gonna. What? If you guys can text me your favorite songs, I will make a playlist in Spotify and put it in our show notes.
1: Oh, okay. That's a good idea. Okay. Of all
0: of our favorite new pornographers songs, you can pick all like right. two or three per album. We'll just make a nice, like the DC Three Cast approved new pornographers playlist. Sure. Which will basically, just be my songs because I'm making it. So, but that's okay. Um. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, as always, you can find two thirds of us on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs Nap. I'm at Walker Fox. Vince is uh, falling through his clothes. <laughs> More than you know. Ooh. It is your wedding anniversary tonight.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you remembered.
0: <laughs> I actually just did see that like, I was looking for an old picture or something on my phone, and there's a picture of us outside shops, and it's from like a week from now.
1: Oh. Oh.
0: They just moved across the street. I haven't been. To the oh yeah, yet.
1: that's right. They were. Yeah,
0: you told me about that. I'm gonna check it out soon. I'm overdue for a shopping trip. Anyway, I don't know how you're still listening. Thank you for doing it. If you are, if you're still listening to this, God bless you and uh, have a good week. And I promise next week we'll keep the new pornographers chat to a minimum. <laughs> but that I only mean 25 minutes. So good night, folks. <laughs> I just hope he wasn't raptured, because <laughs> that means we're definitely not.
1: Yeah, well, I expected that for myself.
0: Well, I mean, I, I don't believe in the rapture, so there's that. But well, there you go. Uh, but uh, because he loves the leftovers, he'd be very upset that he was missing out. <laughs>